1: homework cheerleading practice killing vampires no one said high school would be easy it's 1992's buffy the vampire slayer it's time to get radical
2: hello there it's showtime
1: what is this trick-or-treat did i do that good morning charlie the
3: champion of justice daddy would have gotten us uzis the power is yours! Get down, honey, get down! (laughs) And look, I won't go far, okay? If the apocalypse comes, beat me. My name is Grace Jones.
0: Thunder! 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 Thunder count! Power 3 will set us free. Power 3 will set us free. Power 3 will set us free. But I ain't wanna gossip, so if anyone asks you, you ain't heard it from me. No, you have? No more room in hell. The dead.
1: Welcome back, Radical Ones, to another episode of the Radical Retro Rewind Podcast. As always, I am your host, Radical Ryan Hunter, and I'm joined for the first time this season with co-host Rob, the Movie Geek. Welcome to Season 3, Rob.
2: Season 3! Season 3.
1: So happy. We have made it to Season 3, and the 30th anniversary of today's movie, which is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It happened in the summer, but can you believe this movie turned 30? Cannot believe it. I believe that
2: I'm over 30, so I guess there is some truth to it. I'm old just as much as this movie. So I figured out
1: I was 8 years old when I saw this movie because I was born in 85. It came out in 92 and I remember seeing it with Brother David and my mother but for eight years old so in 92 is this an eight year old movie for an eight year old (laughs)
2: <laughs> I was 11, but I mean, I didn't see this in the theaters. I watched it at home. I wish I could tell you how I discovered this. If anything, it just showed up on TV or I rented it. i It's too far back. I can't remember. But
1: I still don't even know because my mother is not a horror fan by any means. So I don't even know how we ended up at this movie. But I remember loving it, being terrified. And then, of course, Rob, we get the beloved cult classic TV series series following this movie this really was a big deal in the scheme yeah. of the 90s especially
2: yeah i was happy to get a vampire slayer you know um this is 92 so this was before blade right and we didn't really get a lot of you know vampires stuff. we had a lot of like kids defeating monsters but something for the teenage and a little bit of the adult viewers you know this probably worked out so this was something unique in my opinion i just met this girl named buffy i'm
0: pike pike isn't a name it's a fish
3: i liked her even though she seemed kind of flaky but as it turns out you have been chosen buffy
0: to do what
3: to stop the vampires
0: does Elvis talk to you
3: when things started getting weird around here are we having a nightmare
0: You threw a knife at my head.
3: And you caught it. She was the one person I could really count on. Kill him a lot. Hi. Hi. What are you doing here? What am I doing here? I'm saving your butt. That is a bad guy. Can we go, please? The Slayer is unmasked. Let's finish it. I think this relationship has potential. How's it going?
0: You're obviously having a bad hair day.
3: If she can just get rid of those other guys in her life. Stab him in the heart! Christy Swanson.
0: I am so sure.
3: Donald Sutherland. Uh, uh, Paul Rubens. uh, With Rutger Hauer and Luke Perry. Buffy, you're not like other girls.
0: Uh, Yes, I am.
3: Buffy. Buffy. The Vampire Slayer You didn't
0: even break a nail Directed by Fran Rubel Kazooie So
1: this is of course a 1992 American comedy film Stars Christy Swanson, Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens, Rutger Hauer, uh, Luke Perry, and Hilary Swank And it follows a valley girl cheerleader named Buffy Who learns that it is her fate to hunt vampires
0: since the dawn of man, the vampires have walked among us, killing, feeding. The only one with the strength or skill to stop their heinous evil is the Slayer. She who bears the birthmark, the mark of the Coven. Trained by the Watcher, one Slayer dies, and the next
3: is chosen.
0: And I shall be his sword.
3: Let Satan tremble. The Slayer is born.
2: Dribble, dribble, shoot, shoot, take that ball to the hoop, hoop. (laughs) This movie is frickin' quotable. Oh my god, these cheers.
0: Okay, dribble, shoot, shoot, take that ball to the
3: hoop, hoop. Right, yeah, that's cute,
2: I like that. That's what you should do throughout this review, just transition with all of these cheers that she does. How funky is
1: your chicken? That's my favorite.
3: How funky is your chicken? How funky is your chicken? How loose is your goose? Our goose is totally loose. So come on, all you hot fans. So come on, all you hot fans. And shake your caboose. And shake your caboose.
2: What is your thought on this opening routine that they did?
1: I don't know if it's because I've seen this movie so many times, Rob, but it just makes me laugh. And I think it sets the tone of what this character starts out as and really, I guess the tone of the movie, you could say, for the rest of the film.
2: So what did you think about Buffy the Vampire Slayer overall?
1: I was a fan of the movie, so when the series came out, I was excited. But honestly, if the series never came out, I still would look at this film with a lot of love, just because I don't know it had really a profound impact on me for some reason. Maybe because I was eight years old and traumatized.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I did. I did like this movie. I don't own it. I, I can't really remember why I don't have this particular movie. Uh, after rewatching it. It is dated, and I only say that with love because (laughs) it's the choice of, like, you know, slang and the language that the kids use, and, you know, it's the way that they talk.
0: Oh, wow, look at that jacket. Oh, this is so lush. Wouldn't you guys just love me in this? Guys, Uh, what's the sitch? I'm bored. What do you think? Please, it's so five minutes ago. Yeah.
2: And I think I've been a little bit desensitized with the series because even though the Buffy series has its own language, it's not this sweet belly, you know, girl sort of thing throughout the movie because there's a heavy transition between... Chrissy Swanson in the beginning versus the end and the way that she talks, the infliction in her voice. And it just suddenly changes along with her attitude and what she finds important, which also just sort of says like, is it an act or do these girls really talk this way? Like where do they develop this? I don't know. Some of it got a little too like cheesy for me, but I think the other thing too is a little bit of the pacing for me was a struggle she takes one hit to Lothos. <laughs> oh please show
3: me a real slayer. Look
2: she gave one punch to, to Merrick's face and immediately was like, I'm a slayer. I want to I want to like kill vampires because I hit somebody in the face and I didn't dislike it and I didn't break a nail. Therefore, yes, time to train. She was not about this mission at all. She punches a guy in the face and then bam, I want to kill people. So, I don't know. Some of the pacing to me was a little off. The movie just kind of went by really quickly but there's still some charm with this. There's still a lot of charm for it being sort of the outline and and the base of what the series is based off of I think this is a great origin story there was a, a few things that I liked about it of course and we'll get into that but overall yeah I thought it was okay I didn't I don't know if it hit as hard as it did when I was younger
1: do you think a lot of that has to do with the
2: series or do you think it really is just how dated it comes off for me, I think it's a little how it's dated, but I'm not. I'm not shunning the movie for doing what it did. That's the thing. The movie, I think, for its time, is great. It's just watching it now. You can see a lot of the strings that are holding up our vampires. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, it's just comes off a little bit like a project. But again, you can just tell if if it came out today, it would look fantastic. So I guess you can say this is a movie that I would not mind being rebooted at all. Ooh, see, that's a hot
1: take. Because uh, do you remember a few years ago, I'm talking like not even this recent reboot that they had been discussing. I think it was like 2010, Fox owning the rights at the time to Buffy so they could have made like a movie and they were planning to do a movie that was separate from the series. And I'm glad it didn't happen then because of 2000's Buffy right after the heels of the series ending. Now maybe it gave a little more time to it so i could see disney making her a princess now no.
2: <laughs> i just i don't know i just think that this movie could have been a bit more the wit i think could have been stronger because i know what joss whedon can produce especially in his mm. writing skills <sighs> he, he threw a knife at my head
0: yes i had to show You threw a knife at my head.
3: And you caught it. Only the chosen one could have caught it.
0: Don't you get it? I don't want to be the chosen one. I don't want to spend the rest of my life chasing after vampires. All I want to do is graduate from high school, go to Europe, marry Christian Slater, and die. Now, it may not sound too exciting to a sconehead like you, but I think it's swell.
2: And, you know, this could just be a product of him just you know one of his earlier projects or whatever but i i just think he definitely could have done better with dialogue and character development like across the board and not just buffy i don't know i blinked and merrick was gone like i there was just something i don't it was just where i was like wow you're dead already like what is ha-? i don't know i just feel the pacing just was a little off and it was just the way that he died it just seemed like um Oh yeah, we you know we must avenge. You know, like it's yeah. Well,
1: that might be due to a lot of backstage issues. Rob, it turned out to be. Oh, okay. Shaw Sweden had huge issues with how his script was rewritten by the studio, so he is not a fan of this movie at all. He really dislikes it, and a matter of fact, he says that Donald Sutherland was extremely difficult to be around. He rewrote most. Of his dialogue and scenes, often making the scenes incomprehensible in Whedon's opinion. Whedon praised Sutherland's abilities as an actor but called him rude and. And a dick Maybe he learned something from Donald (laughs) But that might be it Rob And a matter of fact The character was supposed to commit suicide To escape being turned into a vampire by Lothos Who wanted to know the the Slayer's identity So he killed himself Instead of giving up Buffy's identity in the movie So I guess this is because Donald Sutherland was just
2: doing his own thing Possibly Interesting Okay Well I mean I I honestly didn't have a problem with Donald Sutherland I just think his character and the way that he was conversing with Buffy and I, I just think his timing of it all, like, he shows up to save Pike and his friend, and I'm, I'm guessing he was sort of on patrol Benny, that's his name. Yeah, Benny. I I, guess, I don't know if he was following them why did he let Benny get taken? He just got out of the car and was like, oops, sorry for you, I'll just save Pike This is not a very safe place for you to fall asleep
0: Okay Mom <clears throat> <clears throat>
1: <laughs> he's not the lead
2: <laughs> i was like why are you there and uh why are you just so casual about this dude getting taken i mean unless you know that they can be turned back on- once lotho is gone But I was just like, what's, what's, I don't know. I I
1: always thought maybe he actually was just happened to be driving by, but you're right. I think it almost was supposed to be him just like patrolling these, this, this town possibly. But yeah, he could care less that Benny was taken. He was just like, oh, bye, Benny. You went over that rail.
2: (laughs) So, I have a few things to unpack about this opening scene. So, we get a full set of credits in the beginning, which is very retro. You don't necessarily see that too often in movies anymore, but in addition to getting full credits they give us some visuals to distract us and look at while we're getting you know all of the credits in the beginning and we get this cheer which i hated i hated this cheer so much they i don't know to me they were a very clean somewhat crisp group i just these moves were not good (laughs) let's not bring it on they should have just been an amateur like junior varsity step team i I don't know what cheer this was i'm a little bit of a hater right now let's just point out that none of these cheerleaders look like teenagers at all they don't look like high schoolers like all of them look super
1: grown could that be the problem rob could they not move because they're
2: actually 30 years old no i'm sure they were still in their 20s at least and then uh what's his face grueler So the guy who plays ruler 47. Sasha Jensen, right? So this is the boyfriend's like right-hand man or something, or one of his friends or whatnot. I immediately looked at him and thought, Teen Wolf, because the man had like the hairiest back ever. I only noticed it this time around. Yeah, but the way that his hair was like fixed up and everything his face structure he just looked like a straight-up wolf i so i thought he was like a wolf in this movie and then the coach remember the coach the coach is the host of studs do you remember studs the yeah. game show
1: <laughs> i totally forgot that's so funny you mentioned that i totally forgot about that
2: and then when i saw him i was like
1: oh yeah that's him
2: he's such a nice like coach too i thought that was a nice like run-on joke because usually coaches especially in high school yeah. are seen as very like heavy and bully and father figures and he's just trying to be like super nice about it and he's like passive i like that i just thought that was funny but what did you think of the routine oh it, it was terrible it was terrible but at
1: the same time i've heard these routines perform so many times watching this movie it's ingrained in my head but they are no they are not going anywhere with these. They better not compete anywhere. They are not getting anywhere with this. This is the lamest move.
2: I don't know if it's like because this is LA too so I'm like surprised they were wearing Spanx or like leggings or something under their cheerleader outfits. None of them showed leg. I was just like oh do you this think is an that interesting a- outfit.
1: But was that a choice, Rob? Because it seems like there was a color palette that they went with with this movie. There was a lot of yellows, and it's not just that Buffy Jubilee jacket she was looking at in the mall. There is a lot of yellow in this movie, I noticed, and there's a lot of color pops. I would say it's very 90s, if anything. I wonder if they did that to add to this, like, hokey feeling in a way, because you're right. There- Buffy is in a full head-to-toe colored pink green,
2: every color in the rainbow on this girl at various points. Uh, So, uh, what did you think about the story? We have to deal with Lothos, you know, the introduction of the Slayer, having it be a girl who clearly has way more other important things to go on in her life. Also, just the dynamic of dealing with modern times and these old-fashioned, old-school ways of destiny.
0: How do you know, all?
3: it is your birthright and I am a part of it. You come with me to the graveyard. And I will show you.
0: I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm in a graveyard with a strange man hunting for vampires on a school night. Ew.
3: Why did you never tell anyone about your dream?
0: Right. Tell everybody I'm crazy. Beauty idea. Ow. Press? None your business, God.
2: This movie is sort of like. The constitution, these old rules and old fashioned ways just transcending over time. And by the time you get to our century, these old school rules just don't seem to fit anymore. And you're having to update the way that things are done, you know, and to me, I just it just feels like the constitution, like you just you just can't do everything the same every single time. And so we're having to deal with a girl who clearly has a life, has things going on, and the last thing that anybody wants to be doing is fighting vampires, especially at her age. And you can't expect somebody to just decide not to live her life and just deal with her destiny. I mean, just the contrast between her and Merrick, it's like Merrick just expects her to drop everything, follow a stranger into the cemetery and just listen to his every word. Like, you can't talk to people like that. What is happening? But again, it's because he was technically immortal, right? Or does Conscious go into each generation? I can't remember if they established that. That
1: is the the one thing about this movie that I am so glad that did not carry over into the series. Not only is Buffy the slayer in every generation basically that she's born is what I'm getting. And then Merrick is also reborn like he said over and over. But it seems like he had this knowledge that she didn't even though she is the same person or was that just a cost-cutting thing to have Christy Swanson play every Slayer.
2: At- I think that she's a different person. From my understanding, it seemed that Merrick was the same. Yeah, he wasn't, like, taught by his father or whatever and passed it on. Like, I think he literally grew up the exact same person, which explains why he's so old school about it. And that's the other thing, I do love that flashback
1: to the, I always call it a mannequin part two, part two, because it's like, it's Christy Swanson in these olden time robes from the medieval times. So I do like that whole feeling, but it's very stiff going back to it now, by the way. Having seen buffy's action again in the series and i hate to compare it to that but when you perfected it so well in the series this slayer's moves were not it and matter of fact she gave up so quickly this medieval slayer all she did <laughs> was get take a take neck and she gave herself over but the whole thing with buffy yes in this destiny it's it's done very yeah old school in this way this whole movie though does feel like that it's definitely a callback i think to a lot of things like a lot of not
2: old school ways of doing things but old movies and things like that i do like the story i mean i i watch buffy the series and and, you know it's one of my favorite shows i think with this particular story you know just having her sort of get a wide perspective that you know outside of the high school bubble there is a world out there that she will have to learn eventually is just unfortunately she was brought into that adulthood a lot quicker than most and so you're seeing her Her deal with the idea of like prom queen and having this killer boyfriend and fashion and all of that is not necessarily, you know, the most important thing in the world. But to a teenage girl, it definitely is. But something that was different from the series, and I hope I'm not comparing the series throughout this whole review, but one thing that I noticed was her relationship with her mom how it was pretty much non-existent like you kind of get a sense that Buffy honestly is putting on a front and not to say that she dislikes being popular and, and how she's developed her friendships or whatnot but there clearly is a vulnerable side to her that she I don't think was allowed to really share with anyone like she puts on this happy face and she uses her popularity as a shield for sure but the nightmares the neglectful mom you know like all of this I think takes a toll on her always being alone at home you are so on the mark with that
1: i think what makes her a likable character is that yeah robs right her mother and this is a famous quote i don't know if it just may be because david and i've used it for years her mother says kiss noise instead of kissing like she doesn't even say i love you the mother she says kiss noise
3: that's everything
0: Bye. kiss noise
1: <laughs> to Buffy, <laughs> and then she follows it up when she's with the boyfriend, and he says they don't know my name. And Rob, when she says it's possible, she thinks my name is Bobby. Bye, bye, Bobby. Bye. Was found today before she thinks my name is
0: Bobby. It's possible she
1: thinks my name is Bobby. There's a quality timer, huh? Mm. Something like So yeah. sad. So this is not yeah. Joyce Summers that we know.
2: <laughs> well, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think she doesn't love her daughter, but the idea of just having her leave Buffy alone with a boy in the house and she's like, peace out. She doesn't care. I mean, but there there's something there. There is something there. And it, it sucks we didn't get a lot of that. I mean, her and, and Pike had sort of a discussion about it. But then... I, I then wanted it to even go even further it's just like so what is her deal with school like why does she put on this front that she is just the happiest person ever why can't she talk about it with her friends were was she really good friends with them or is was it just something to do to make sure that nobody really found out about her life at home I I wish that more of that was coming out but I understand that this was more about the vampire so you know let's keep it on there but they put it in there for a reason so so it would have been nice to dive a little bit further into that. No, I think you I think you nailed it on the
1: head, actually. I think, I don't know if it's due to the script being changed from Joss's original idea, but I think you're right. I think, not only that, there was parts in here that I actually was going to ask you. I think Buffy is actually smarter than she gave herself credit, even with the Friends.
0: How do you not tread on the Earth? I mean, you kind of have to, right? Oh...
1: That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it was an act, Rob. I think you're right. You do. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: I think it was her way of coping and being popular. Like you said, who doesn't want to be popular? But
2: so I want to talk about so Buffy's fashion oh, neon, man. the bright colors. It was very 90s. Everything's tight, but everything's covered. You know, she <laughs> has on um, just her transition into the Slayer. All of that still was incorporated, but it was more of this tomboy grungy look
1: you yeah. had.
2: Yeah. The flannel, the overalls, you know, tied around the waist. It was it was very chill and a little bit like rock and grunge instead of the you know like i don't want to say gem in the holograms but it just reminded me of those tight (laughs) skirts and just kind of being in a music video the whole time or just a fashion shoot
1: i think if anything yes there is this movie's fashion really does stand out so yes i think it is like a gem i would say tank girl no,
2: that's really <laughs> out there.
1: I love that dress at the end when she wears the boots with it. That is iconic. That is an iconic Buffy look. I did like that yellow
2: leather jacket, though. I did like that.
1: What a nasty friend. And she says it's retro, by the way.
2: I know. I know. Didn't you love that, tie? Yeah, <laughs> with the hair, the poofiness, the, the scrunchies and all of that. I just thought all of that was 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 cool also the men though the men were so 90s and just cliche all the job woman my woman and that when buffy
1: does that what does she do she like leans over the friends to kiss the boyfriend and he's like over her her ass and he it's just yeah it's so 90s it's so yeah yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) so while we're on the subject i just want to go over some of the words that i caught that probably aren't used as much now.
1: <laughs> okay, this is going to be great.
2: We, we, we heard the word heinous. Do you happen to oh, still hear God. or use heinous anywhere? You know,
1: I think I would use heinous now more often because that is a great way of describing something that's totally, totally heinous. Oh, we need to bring that back. <laughs> Uh, I heard lush. Lush? Yes, I heard lush. Oh, my God. I guess people still use that, but in a different way. It's like luscious.
2: But yeah, lush. Okay. I heard the word sitch. Now, I'm still hearing sitch. Sitch has been used a little bit more into the 2000s. So that's probably a word that hasn't gone away just yet. Thrashed. Oh, well, damn.
1: I could think of something else that could be used for another way of describing other acts. But no, I wouldn't use that in my normal
2: (laughs) thrash. I never used thrash, but I did hear about it a lot. And I've used this... Once or twice in my life. What's your damage? Yes,
1: and I think I got it from this. Did you get it from this movie? Because I, I got may it from have.
2: This movie. I mean, between this and Clueless, there were a lot of of stuff that kind of you know bleeded into each other. I but I've definitely heard "What's Your Damage." I may have used this a couple times. I'm sure
1: you mentioned Clueless and. Do you kind of see, I wouldn't say a link to these movies, but do you see that they're all similar, almost in a way of the storyline of the heroine breaking away and seeing this mortal life kind (laughs) of? They,
2: Buffy has to fight vampires but A little bit I mean it's both in LA So they've got sort of the dynamic Of LA teenage girls In, in both movies Sort of the same way so <laughs>
1: <laughs> And what about when the friend Now that by the way Rob the friend that Says "What is she call She literally says are they a Homeless or something like that. She she doesn't say are they homeless. She like uses homeless as like a word. She's like he's a homeless or something like that. I,
2: I hold on. I want to find that. Whoa. Oh, I don't see it. Like they talked about the environment because they're coming up with issues at the dance, and it said the environment, and then one goes the homelessless. Is
3: that maybe
1: that's what it is? The homelessness.
2: And yeah, there was another line where they kept calling Pike homeless, too. That's the other thing.
1: What are you talking about?
2: Weird? You mean like hanging out with that homeless poke?
1: That one, yes. Yeah, she says something like, you're going with homeless poke instead yeah. of Pike. Yeah,
2: Pike, yeah. But the pivotal... The line, well, not line, but just, you know, just old school retro saying, she says, "Hillary Swank, get out of my facial. Oh
1: my God.
2: That line, I would repeat just for fun. I didn't incorporate it in my vocabulary, but I would always say that in my head if I ever wanted to say get out of my face. I'd just be like, get out of my facial. I would say that to myself all the time and just make myself laugh.
1: Tell me, though, Hillary Swank is that meant to play that role she says it with such disdain like she plays this character perfectly she did a
2: really good job for the part that was definitely assigned to her i gotta give her that for sure we're on hillary swank now now these are you know a and b lister people that have shown up in this movie let's just go over these cameos that you noticed so i'll bring up Uh, ricky lake she showed up at a as a waitress to some restaurant that looked like a 21 and over bar but that is exactly what i was thinking i'm like that is
1: not that's not the bronze in the series that looks like a bar a bar bar
2: But yeah, Ricky Leg out of nowhere, did not expect that at all.
1: Well, of course, David Arquette went on to be something after this. I think he chews the scenery in this role, by the way. Like, this is not his best role, I don't think, David Arquette. And I like David
2: Arquette. But he was so adorable in this. I really liked his look in this movie. Um, he got those ears. (laughs) I just, did you notice one of his fangs was his silver tooth? That was so funny. That's a cool detail that they left in, actually. I thought he was so adorable. But when he was younger, he reminded me a lot of Linderman from from vs. Jason. So Definitely. the actor is uh the actor is Chris Marquette. He is on Just Friends, this movie called Fanboys, and then there's uh Freddy vs. Jason where he plays the nerd in the movie. Him And David Arquette, young David Arquette, look exactly alike. Look them up. It's insane. Also, Benny said yabos.
1: Thank you for catching that, too. (laughs) When they said that, I was just like, holy crap. They said yabos. I don't remember them saying that in this movie. That was great. Speaking of Freddy. Oh, yeah. This is great.
2: From Freddy's Dead, Carlos shows up. He's the one with the hearing-impaired dream. And the horrible, horrible mother uh i noticed him right away he was the guy who was like holding his neck and he was like there are vampires out there this was at the prom that was pretty cool who else did you notice did you notice anyone else
1: we had slash from guns and roses he's the vampire by the dj booth at the end yes that was a weird that was a weird one go ahead who
2: else did you see
1: ben affleck was a big one like i think that was pretty well known that like he
2: cameo in this movie but he was so young Very young. young. And you'll blink and miss it. He just came out of nowhere, for no reason at all, and just played this guy that hands our vampire the basketball. So crazy.
1: Why wasn't he actually one of the teenage actors, one of the friends of the boyfriend, who actually looked like a teenager, and not that caveman (laughs) (laughs)
2: right there's more there's more there yes there's more so uh andrew lowry he plays andy he was the one that was all handsy on buffy before he got his ass given to him he was the lead in the 90s film my boyfriend's back he played our lead zombie who comes back for the girl that he likes which i would love to do with
1: you rob because i loved that movie
2: yeah anytime i see that man's face i think my boyfriend's back the whole time which was also crazy to see him such a dick in this one because he's such the lovable person in in the other movie he does well in both roles uh the other person who i saw who i honestly was like what the fuck thomas jane okay you did see him because i see him on the list but i did not thomas jane oh my god was he a hottie in this movie when he was younger so do you remember that pike i think stayed above the zephyr's auto shop yes He was Zephyr or the guy who just worked there. He was the one who was fixing his van. And he, Pike was like, you need to get out of town. And he's like, have you seen Benny lately? And yada yada. That was Thomas Jane. It's the facial hair, all the hair on his head. That was Thomas Jane. I could not believe that was him. But he was fine as hell, in my opinion. My God.
1: I totally missed him this time because I heard the scene playing and I was writing notes. That's probably why I didn't notice it was him. But damn, I wish I would. I got to go back. Now, did you see Alexis Arquette? I did.
2: He is the one that scared Slash away from the DJ booth. He was the one who took over the music.
1: Oh, it's prior to... Okay. Okay. Yes. Now I know why.
2: Okay. Yeah. I see. I know who it is now. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, we have a very well-known actor who was in this movie, but unfortunately his parts were cut out. However, if you do ever see the VHS box cover of this, at least on the back, you can see clear as day. Seth Green was a part of this film and he was a vampire at such a young, young, young age. And they removed him but kept him on the box art.
1: And then he comes full circle. He plays the character of Oz on the series. That's one of those things that it's like, ooh, yeah,
2: yeah. Now you sent me a photo of him in the lineup of vampires at the prom. Yeah, but I don't think that's him. I don't think that's him. It does not look like him. Uh, but if it is him, there he there's his cameo. But I don't think that was him but yeah if you look at the box cover he is on there he's got the glasses the long hair and that seth green face and he shows up so it sucks that his part was cut out
1: and that picture i thought was iconic and i never knew it was him either because that was on the back okay maybe that's because i had the vhs maybe that's why it's like okay i take it back
2: maybe it's Ryconic. <laughs> all right so let's talk about our villains uh the movie was uh, PG-13, and clearly the lack of blood that we see in this movie was a big part of that. You know, limbs would come off. You would never see any guts or organs or blood or anything like that and i'd say that this movie did not need it especially if it is a comedy everything was believable i thought you know as far as the attacks and everything i didn't feel that they were scary at all or too gruesome we have our Lothos, and yes we're supposed to be super scared of him this dates back to when vampires were hypnotizing people all you had to do was stare into their eyes and they were trans please
3: your puny
0: face no my keen fashion sense.
2: You know, you have all these minions, including um, Pee Wee Herman.
1: Paul Rubens, I think, yeah. always steals the show in this movie. Yeah,
2: and it's also crazy to hear his normal voice too uh you know just his regular voice he's got the facial hair and everything but he's a definite general you know he's he's out there like luke just getting all of the vampires to to come but he's just biting everybody left and right i don't know why he chose teenagers to form get- a group yeah. they could be doing a whole bunch of grown-ups bigger dudes but nope let's just keep a teenager we'll just get all the teenagers but Lothos I thought was a very weak villain I didn't get him you know he would say some quirky stuff the old school you know motif as far as his clothing I thought was okay but I just didn't like the perm on his head just took me out of it um- <laughs> like- it just took me out of it. I just didn't really believe him to be such a threat, especially when he pulls out the sword. I'm just like, I don't get you, but he's he seemed threatening
1: if he would have been and this maybe maybe this was not a josh sweeten idea like a billy idol spike character going back to the series that would have made him so much better than this cliche character but i i guess i you know what they were doing again with these callbacks to these maybe hammer horror films yada 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 but to me he's the okay the the best part of him is that scene when buffy's friend is taken the girl with borrows the jacket and it kick care less. About <laughs> yes. Yes. And you just see his arm come out of that coffin with the red. That's the most I get. Ooh. About him. Cause once he comes out. Yeah. He is not doing it for me. A matter of fact, I think he's a little sassy.
2: What about when he's floating above Cassandra and you know, he comes oh, down. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you love those effects every time that they would float? I love how the camera panned on a, on a vampire once. And it was like literally just, feet off the ground. And I'm like clearly you're on your like tippy toes and you're just lowing yourself. It was it was funny.
1: The best example of that is with the whole pike scene when Benny comes in and he's like let me in and he's oh, like that was creepy. Oh, one I like. That's the creepiest yeah. part of this movie. <laughs> let
2: me in, Pike. I'm hungry. Go home, Ben. i me You're floating! Come
1: on, man! Get away from here! I'm hungry! I'm hungry! I'm hungry!
2: Yeah. That that was pretty that was pretty heavy. I like that as well. So the last thing that I kind of wanted to bring up is something that I never understood almost to this day and I looked it up and I think I have an understanding. But when Merrick's when, when Merrick dies, his last words is the rest is silent. Listen for the music to stop or whatever.
3: Remember about the music. Listen. When the music The rest is...
0: uh... Merrick? Merrick?
2: And then when she's being, you know, tranced into, you know, Lothos and then the music stops and she's like, Oh my God, I get it. Never in my life did I understand what the hell that was. But apparently it breaks her out of his trance and she's able to just be like, I can kick your ass now and, you know, let's do this, let's fight.
0: Silence! Look at me. Rest is silence, that's it. What? Merrick told me, I knew it all along. Music stopped. Look at me.
3: It's too late. You and I are one.
0: One what? Cute couple? I don't think so.
2: Did you ever get an understanding of what that meant?
1: No. I knew that the villain Lothos played, he was always musically inclined because we saw it a few times, but yeah, I did not get that.
2: Okay, so I found an article and a passage that hopefully might clear that up for anyone else who is so confused about that scene. Because apparently she just gets the courage to be like, I'm not afraid of you anymore. You don't scare me. It's a very Freddy Krueger episode thing so is this article the rest is silence is silenced finding your power and magic this is done by uh, Heather co and In Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the moment she is allowing the master vampire to hold her by the neck, nearly about to be bitten and lose her life, she hears nothing, and it is all of a sudden awake. In that nothingness is everything. The broken silence disconnects her from the chaos instead of allowing her to connect with the strength and self knowing that she is able to kick this guy's ass is all she needs in order to actually do it she proceeds to win the movie being both a badass and a changed woman through her moment of enlightenment and growth so that's what i got take that with you will i also read a little bit of other stuff in the article about how I think this might even date back to like Shakespeare, how he, he talks about death, or when you hear silence, you think of death, or it represents death, or something like that. And it just gives you a little bit of the perspective, I guess, of, of the world around you. But apparently, the distractions of like school, the prom, dance, fearing of belonging all of that stuff when it all stops and you're able to just be there in the moment is when she was able to get clarity that's that's all i can really think of and i think i can appreciate the scene a little bit more after hearing that but that's all that i could find on the subject
1: investigative reporter rob (laughs) oh whatever
2: (laughs) that gives it
1: more yeah it it never played off like that for me so thank you yeah for that (laughs) i did not get that from that (laughs) i just do want to bring up the soundtrack for this movie rob we get keep it coming from c and c music factory which i mean if anyone grew up in the in the 90s c and c music factory was was a thing was a thing and i think it fits perfectly in this then we also get I Ain't Gonna Eat Out My Heart Anymore by the Divinals. This plays over the training montage, Rob, and I think it perfectly sums up this movie. Buffy's fighting. It's very 90s. The music is playing. She's doing this, like, gymnastics, She's flipping, throwing stakes forward at, you know, at her watcher. And I always liked that. And then it's a little part when Buffy is doing this whole... She's trying to lure out a vampire. And she's singing... Whoa, 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 feelings Oh, yes Mm -hmm.
0: Feelings Whoa, whoa, whoa Feelings Boy, I'm feeling
1: I have always, since seeing this movie at eight years old, evidently, when I was ever doing anything that I was like out by myself late or something, or I was walking or nervous, I would hum that to myself. And I would say, boy, I'm feeling pretty helpless. And I'm like, oh, Buffy. And then another very 90s moment, Rob. Buffy's boyfriend breaks up with her over the answering machine. And she says, you broke up with my machine?
0: You weren't home
2: like always
0: you broke up with my machine
1: i'm out of here <laughs> now, this is the what would you say the precursor to breaking up over
2: text message yeah <laughs> or most email. likely <laughs> yeah Something like
1: that
2: and also yeah. cliche is having one of her friends get with him immediately afterwards it was just so easy for somebody to just pounce but you know he is a man with needs and did not feel like a man at all and he felt threatened by a very independent, strong woman. So sad. I don't, so you know scared. what? We went through all of this, and we didn't even talk about Luke Perry. Rest in peace. Yes, Rob. Let's just... Okay, maybe I'll, I saved the best for last. I thought... That Luke Perry was the best thing about this movie. I don't know what that says about my taste or how I view this movie. I just thought he was given the better lines. I thought he was giving a lot of the charisma. Also, his glow up was pretty damn significant. I thought he had great character development as well. You like that soul patch? Just little- the shaving of the soul patch was, like, a jump into, like, his, like... He grew up so much just shaving that one little thing off. But <laughs> he got a lot of storyline, and he wasn't even a slayer. Like, there was a lot going on with Pike. Even just the scenes alone without Buffy, there was a lot. He was also the voice of reason to, like, get her to, like, really get into this whole role. He brings the weapons to the right. pop, like. like there's a lot of story with him, but I just like his character. And it was nice to, I but I don't know if it was, you know, like taking away from the female lead's point of view and perspective of this movie. Like we always have to have some guy in the forefront. So I would say that's probably the only thing I would say that kind of sucks about his role is that it wasn't just about Buffy. And then at, at, at a certain point, it kind of just became like, oh, I want to be with Pike. You know, it came down to, like, who do I want to be with? And I don't know. It's just the way that the kind of movie ended. You know, he's, you know, she's riding on his motorcycle. It's like he's saving the day, the knight in shiny armor. It just, I don't know. I would say that's a little off for me. But at the end of the day, I really enjoyed Luke Perry. And he was super fine. He was super charismatic. I just like the way that he was in this movie.
1: And it was a departure from nine hundred two and 90210, which was really nice at the time because he wasn't as broody, even though the character of Pike could have been set up to be a brooding character. or Yeah, I think it's just a testament to his acting too. And and he really did bring something to this role. And a matter of fact, Rob, I always wondered if Pike was ever going to show up on the series as like a joke or something. And did you ever hear of this? Like when was it Dark Horse used to do the Buffy comics in the 90s they actually made a Version of the original Script and they put it into Buffy comic form but Buffy telling Willow and Xander About her time before She moved to Sunnydale and it was The movie but they made it in Buffy series continuity
2: Yes yes I did hear About that I also read The amoebus novel Where uh, Buffy and Pike Go to Vegas and deal that with That
1: am- That is a matter of fact So the comic actually ends with that too Saying they end up in Vegas And Willow and Xander say Well what happened next Buffy? So yeah. I would love to know more about that.
2: Yeah, I did. I think I tr- I wanted to really get into the amoebas books. But like when I was younger, I just didn't have the money. So I couldn't buy the whole series. But I think I read like the first two and I barely remember what happened. But Pike was very involved in her slaying. And when they went to Vegas, they had to deal with some crap. And I thought in the series, didn't she show up in a leather jacket? I thought that was supposed to be Pike's jacket in the series. But I could be wrong.
1: I, I mean, she always had that leather jacket in the photo shoots and stuff. And she did wear a leather jacket. But then at one point, I think it was Angels that he gave her a oh. prom episode, I think. Not the prom. The first season finale. The first season finale. <laughs> and then this was so crazy, Rob. Alyssa Milano was originally set to play Buffy. Makes
2: complete sense. Complete sense. And- you imagine so can you she imagine She fits the type of girl that buffy is she completely fits it it would have been so believable if she had did that new york phoebe would have definitely yes. been perfection for buffy so i totally see it she has the look you know she she tried to do her fighting shots in double dragon so it's not oh, like she was God, a stranger yeah. to it
1: Oh my god, that movie. Yes, she I'm did. not mad about that possibility. I don't know if we would have gotten her on charmed, but damn, that I could like Rob's saying, having been charmed fans, she could have stepped into that role a hundred percent, seeing what she did with the like, comedy aspects and charmed. And then did you notice Buffy is a senior in this? And then in the series, she's a sophomore. So I- I'm assuming. Yeah, she again, got I mean, real held back. <laughs> she detention,
2: detention. Detention, 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 detention. <laughs>
1: detention,
2: detention. Oh, you know the you you know the principal is though, right? That's Stephen Root. Stephen Root from um the Office. He was the shy one oh. that kept getting picked on. Okay, yes. He's been yes. on a lot of stuff, lots and lots of stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's Stephen Root, so it was funny to see him too.
1: talked about this in our premiere episode, but one of the things that you wanted to have on the show was more games.
2: Yeah, more games or, um, you know, a, a different segment or two. And so I, I brought up this idea, we may not do this for every episode, but I thought we would debut it on, on this one. And it's called The Debate Team.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main.
2: very fitting for this high school scenario but Ryan and I are going to have a debate on a specific plot point or or a scene in the film that would probably have two sides to the argument and regardless of what we both think wholeheartedly about this debate we are going to be forced to be opposing and make our best argument as to how we would interpret this scene. The scene is when Buffy shows up very very late to the prom committee and getting the school gym ready for prom doing decorations setting up Her friends are all there, and they call her out, asking her, Where have you been? What's been going on? You've been very vacant and just gone. And it turns into this big argument. Buffy shows up, and she wants to confess to her friends about what's been going on with her and why she's been so flaky. But it turns into this big argument... And they basically have a falling out, and one by one, they all just walk out completely pissed off, and they're pretty much not friends anymore.
0: Haven't you guys noticed what's been going on here? The strange things? Have you noticed people disappearing, turning up dead?
3: What are you talking about?
0: Weird? You mean like hanging out with that homeless poke? Hike. <gasps> Oh, you're having an affair with
3: him? He doesn't look 50. Do you think mm-hmm. he looks no.
0: Guys, I think reality stepped out of here about five minutes ago. Oh, thank you very much.
3: Yeah, like you've got a grip.
0: You're yeah. so out of it. Jennifer says you've blown off cheerleading and now dance committee. Excuse me for having something important to do. And this isn't important? This happens to be the dance. Right. It's a dance. It's a stupid dance with a bunch of stupid people that I see every stupid day. Uh-huh. Like, now we're, like, stupid. You know, Buffy, this doesn't happen to be just any dance. It happens to be the last dance of our last year.
3: Except for the semi-formal. Oh, right. Oh, and the totally formal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and the senior prom. Okay. Look, Buffy,
0: if you want to play house with the unwashed masses, that's fine. But personally, I think you should spend a little time prioritizing. I really do. what language are you speaking? out of
2: my facial so after hearing this scene my question is do you believe that buffy was in the right to call out her friends and lash out the way she did or do you believe that buffy was wrong and her friends have every right to be as pissed off and angry at her as they were in the film ryan has chosen to defend buffy and say that she was in the right and how that scene played out where I will be debating that the friends actually had the right hand, the, the upper hand in this argument. So, Ryan, you go first. Tell me and tell everyone why you believe that Buffy was in the right in this scene.
1: Rob, fellow radical ones.
2: <laughs> you don't have to make it so official. Just
1: I'll get to yeah. the debate yeah. team. <laughs> no,
2: just no, we're we're just having a conversation and arguing, that's all.
1: Okay, so beyond the obvious of Buffy being a, a vampire slayer now and having to take on this role, I really feel that what it comes down to is these people are extremely shallow. So we talked about earlier, Rob actually brought up you might have cancelled your own point out, Rob. How Buffy really is at home. We see how much her parents affect her, this loneliness. And I really do think, like Rob said, that she's putting on an act and she really can't take it anymore at this point. And I really do feel having the jacket, the scene where the jacket on the body you know wasn't it was more of the jacket missing than her friends possibly being dead and i I think that shows the most of really this group of people and i really do think buffy was that good person underneath and she just couldn't she just couldn't hang around with these people anymore. And this whole vampire thing just kind of, like, made her grow up overnight. It's it's the easy way out to defend the hero. But I really do think that's what happened with Buffy.
2: Okay. I, I definitely see what you're saying. So here's what I'll say to this. You are right in that... The the friends are looked at as sort of an antagonist towards Buffy's plight and her growth as a young woman. Totally understand that. I particularly don't really like these friends at the end of the day because they are very shallow and... It's it's very easy for them to dismiss Buffy the moment she steps out of line. What was it? You're you're that thing from the other tax bracket. From another tax bracket. Oh, yes. Oh my God. So but this is this is kind of where I sort of lose my cool with Buffy during okay. this argument. Because look, she, she's coming in very sweet and and very vulnerable. And you know, she's like, haven't you noticed a lot of things happening around here? You know, people going missing and disappearing the friends are being very surface about it and the moment they talk about homeless pope that's when buffy just starts getting you know antsy and being like oh okay we're going here she's kind of pissed off but again everything is very superficial when she's trying to have an honest conversation now i get that but this is where i lose it buffy responds by saying Kimberly, it's a dance. It's a stupid dance with a bunch of stupid kids that I see every stupid day. That is where I was done. Because all of a sudden now, just because you are fighting the good fight, you are better than other people. And what she doesn't understand is that while you may know the truth or the veil has been unveiled for you, or, you know, the veil has been unveiled for you, these girls are doing exactly what they should be doing, which is worrying about high school and and getting through it as best they can in any way, shape or form. Now, yes, they may be a little bit on the bully side of things. But when it comes to one of your friends suddenly thinking that they're better than me, Because they have a little bit more of a respect, you know, a retrospect of the world. I don't think that that was cool of Buffy to just say everything around her is stupid. Yes, she's projecting her own shit that she has been you know, going through all of this and the fact that she made all of this stupid stuff important to her is on her, you know, don't hate on anybody else living their best life in high school. And eventually they will come to that same conclusion. I just think that if she's outgrown it, she's outgrown it, but there's no reason to call them stupid. And so, you know, Nicole is like, oh, so we're stupid now. And I just think that This dance is supposed to be important, even though people dying is more important to them. They don't know about vampires. They don't know about the deaths and things going on. And so I believe that they had a right to be pissed off at Buffy. Her delivery and her execution on trying to make them understand was a total fail. And she could have done a little bit better than what she did. So, that is my argument there.
1: Ooh! See, there's a great counter-argument to my points. So, dare I ask the Radical Ones to possibly leave
2: a voicemail <laughs> should i ask
1: should i ask them yeah
2: we have the feature on anchor fm it's a web browser as well as an app that you can listen to the podcast and there is a button that allows you to leave a message in one minute increments you don't have to make it that long but we would love to hear your wonderful voices and your opinion on this subject was buffy in the right to just shit all over her friends or were the friends actually justified in and calling her out on her flakiness. Uh, We would definitely love to hear from you, but if you happen to send us a tweet or DM us on Instagram under our account. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the subject.
1: So with that, Radical Ones, we wrap up Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. Rob, what are your ending feelings on this movie? Will you rewatch it again in the future? Are you done with this movie? Will you watch it in the background while you cook?
2: (laughs) I think this movie is, is definitely under that cult classic feel. You know, anytime the movie is brought up, I hear nothing but good things and positive stuff and how it inspired a lot of great things that we got in the future. So there is definitely a place in pop culture for this movie. For my own specific entertainment, unfortunately, I don't see myself watching this again. Um, And not necessarily by choice. If somebody else wanted to give it a watch, hell yes. You know, like, I love Paul Rubens in this movie. Uh, Some of the uh, action sequences I thought were... Were, were kind of fun. We're not really big Christy Swanson fans over on this side of the pond, but yeah, it, David it's a movie. Always say, it, And she was rude to him back in and the day. And she was rude to I him, yes, did. exactly. So, yeah, I it's a movie that I'm glad that I've seen. I don't need to own it, and again, I usually would watch it with situations like this where I'm either showing a friend who's seen, who's never seen it, or you know, I need to re-watch it for a review. I thought the movie was okay. There are definitely specific points that I I, I liked and it was good to see sort of a lot of stars in there in their up and coming age. To, you know into stardom so that's that's kind of my intake on the movie
1: I love that I, I agree it's one of those movies that I probably I, I don't seek it out but I will tell you I do get cravings to see it once in a while and I think around October this month is the best time to catch up on some of these maybe not forgotten but not heavy rotated horror movies and if you're into horror comedies and 90s if you want a 90s time capsule of Neo on color. L.A. in the 90s. This is That movie. I just want to say Josh Whedon wrote the pilot for the TV series as a sequel to the original script, which is why the TV series makes reference to events that did not occur in this film. So, like Rob said, this gave birth to something else in the future that became an iconic franchise on itself. So that series means so much to I know both of us. So I'm glad that we got this movie and I'm glad that we got to cover it in 2022. Two? yeah we're not in 23 yet soon soon that was another episode of the radical retro rewind podcast rob where can the lovely people find you when you're not hanging out here
2: so we are just wrapping up our uh final season of fear bias a horror podcast uh the last season has been turned into a trivia horror game that was created by myself and we are coming up to our last two episodes the last one being halloween if you love trivia and you love horror movies, check out at least our last season of the of the show. You can listen to this on any podcast app. And uh, yeah, it's called Bitch, I Ain't Scared, a.k.a. Fear Bias. And uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram under the same name, Fear Bias, all one word.
1: That game is fantastic, and I was so happy to be a part of it. I got to be on there twice, and this last time I got to ask Rob and Nate questions over the craft, so that was a lot of fun, so please check that out, especially, again, Halloween time, you know that craft is going to be on rotation, (laughs) test yourself, test yourself out there. And you can always reach the Radical Retro Rewind podcast, one word on Instagram, as well as that voicemail feature like rob said on anchor fm i actually believe it is in the link description as well for an easy access thank you again for listening next week david is back and we are covering buffy the series So look, we led you right into the series with this episode. Rob, (laughs) thank you for being here. And in two weeks, we are doing a Boy Meets World Halloween scary episodes to give people some 90s and some sitcom.
2: (laughs) Should be fun. I look forward to that.
1: Thank you again, Rob. And we will see you next time, Radical Ones. In the meantime, all I want to do is graduate high school, go to Europe, and marry Christian Slater. And die. die. (laughs) (laughs) It's waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Bye-bye.